Amen. All right. Any hikers in the room? Where are my hikers at? Hikers. Okay. I like that. Okay. So people like you guys like live and breathe to walk uphill for extended periods of time, right? I might poke a little fun, just have some thick skin because I've earned the right. Here's why I've earned the right. And, and just so you know the ending, I am now starting to like hiking again. I just have the correct why in my heart this time. Okay. So there's the end of this story. But back to the beginning, I, I lived in Boulder, Colorado for five years of my life, okay? And now people say Austin's weird. Boulder makes Austin look pretty normal, okay? Makes Austin look pretty normal. Like Boulder, Boulder, Colorado, let's see, five years where everybody like walks around with their indestructible Nalgene water bottles that they bought with their gold member REI cards because everybody's a gold member REI like card holder. And they drove to REI in their Subaru with 12 bumper stickers right like where uh, we knew so many people who work like one shift a week at Trader Joe's also they could just make their own like custom trail mix on discount right like refuse to drink anything unless it's first poured into a mason jar like love coffee but it's now way too mainstream so like they can't drink it and it just kills them because it's like too mainstream now like <laughs> and live to hike and be outside. And I love being outside, but, but I think I said it well, like living to walk uphill for an extended period of time. Like there used to be a part of me in college because everybody else did it that I was like, it's more righteous somehow to wake up at 6.30 on a Saturday morning and walk around in the forest exhausted than it is to sleep in. I used to believe that. Then I, I, I got saved. I met Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the way only he does. Like, let me, like, he let me know, like, hey, buddy, like, I'm not even up yet. Go back to sleep. It's Saturday. For crying out loud, it's Saturday. Um, I had, this is a little bit of venting, you can tell, but I had, I don't know, I had no business having these, but I had, you remember those Vibram five-finger shoes, like the toe shoes? They look like gloves for your feet. I had those. I'm like, why did I have those? I wore those to, Kylie, you had them? I wore them to the gym at CU one time, and I got, because it was leg day, and it worked. I was so sore, but I, like, I got so many looks. I'm like, this is like, why, why do I have these? Why do I have them? And I, so I had a, a kind of a come to yourself moment on the side of uh, uh, Gray's Peak, it's a 14er in Colorado. You can do grays and Tories in the same hike and, and knock out two 14ers, the only two 14ers I've ever done in my life. Um, because like you, you wake up at 3 a.m. and you start hiking and I'm like three quarters of the way up the mountain and I had a why moment. As I'm, um, I'm walking and I'm like, the view's better when you look up, but I'm looking down so I don't trip and fall off the side of the cliff, you know, like, Look, look, look down or else you will fall and you will die. It's like that Mean Girls quote. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. <laughs> look down while you're hiking. So like I'm not even enjoying the sights around me. I'm just looking down at my stupid five finger Vibram shoes. Like why am I wearing these and why am I on this mountain right now? Like this is, this is really cool. It's cool, but like, here's the thing, like, it's, it's amazing if you have the why deeply planted in your heart for why you're doing this. But if you don't have that and you're just doing it to do it because everybody else in your city does it, 
uh, you do get to a point where you're like, and I, like, I'm in my 30s now, and I'm realizing in my energy tank, like, there's only so much energy that I have now. And I'm, I'm only going to give that energy to the what's that have a good why behind them in my heart, right? And, like, you know how the prodigal son, like, he had his come-to-himself moment when he, he uh, spent all of his money on lavish living, and he ended up, like, with pigs eating their slop. And, like, that was me on the side of the mountain. Like, that was my come-to-Jesus. Jesus moment right there and God was like buddy there you have another option you don't have to do this you don't have to if you don't want to like if you don't have the why in your heart but here's the thing if you have the why deeply planted in your heart then for whatever the what is in front of you game over the ceiling is off for what God could, like, oh, here's where I'm getting at, so you, like, you get the metaphor connection, I think you do, but for Ryan, I'm going to explain it, like, like, if we have the why for Red Rocks Austin, and if the why always takes precedence over the what, then the what is just going to happen, it's just, it's going to happen, and it's going to have the favor of God, and the hand of God on it because we know where to give glory and fame and credit first and foremost. These four verses in Romans do exactly that. They are designed to get us going from to onto God. And right there, like here's what I know. Um, awe kills pride. And reverence and wonder, they destroy a me-centered world and theology and give birth to a God-centered world and theology. And when that happens, Diane's clapping, when that happens, you get set free from you and there is not better news on this planet than being set free from yourself. And so in honor of that, Let's do this. Uh, we'll go through these verses, the ones we already read. So Romans 11, here's just 33 and 34, the first half. Here we go. Who could ever wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depth of his wisdom, and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decisions or search out the mysterious way he carries out his plans? For who has discovered how the Lord thinks or is wise enough to be the one to advise him or counsel him on his plans. So, oh, the depth of everything that God knows, right? So, like, let's have some fun with this. From, from the macro level to the micro level, there is nothing that God does not know, all right? So, even right now, like, not only does he number the stars, he calls them by name, and right now could tell you the exact amount of atoms of every element on every square inch of every single one of those stars, right? And he could tell you, because he made them, the gravity constants of every planet that is in every galaxy that he hung across the universe, which, by the way, is still right now expanding out in every single direction at the speed of light, and he's aware of every square inch of all of it. So the macro level all the way down to, like, the micro level. He's familiar with every hair that's on your head. He's familiar with every cell in your entire body. He watches you. As you sleep, Stephen, every night, just watches you, watches you. He is so in tune with your thoughts more intimately than you are. He knows every leaf on every tree ever. 
He, uh, he knows every word in every language, on every, in every sentence, on every page of every book, the books that have been written and the books that are still yet to be written, right? He knows my past, present, and future in more details than I do, and yet there are times in my life where I feel like I have a position to counsel him on how he runs things, right? Like counsel God, this God that we're reading about, like God, hey, Hey, like I know that you're omnipresent and omnipotent. That was the one I couldn't get at the last service. And omniscient, there's three omnis. I know you're all of these things, but hey, God, like, like, are, like have you ever thought about doing things like this way? Or are you seeing this over here, God? I, I think you missed this. What if you did this over here? As if he's going to look down and go, oh, my me. <laughs> well, thank me that I made you, Doug. Because even in all my infinite wisdom, I have been stumped about that for the last 50, 60 millennia. I don't even know. You probably know. I don't. Jesus, Spirit, get over here. Michael, Gabriel, you guys come too. Doug has an idea for that thing we were trying to solve. Doug, tell them what you just told me. Tell, like, in the words that you use because you're so articulate and we love you. Like, I, I have to imagine God like talking to me like that sometimes. It's just good for me. But in reality, some of you are like, is God really that sarcastic? Like, he's mean. Is he mean? He's not mean. In reality, it's probably more like, uh, oh, buddy, I love you so much. Oh, I love you. Uh, but you can't even remember to floss once a week. How about you master that? And then you come talk to me about how to run the universe I breathed out of my mouth. Like, New Year's resolutions. Like, you pick one of yours, keep it for a month, and then you can come counsel me on the things that you think I'm forgetting, right? Like, guys, this is the God that we worship. Isaiah 55 says his ways are higher than our ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth. His thoughts are that much higher than our thoughts. Daniel chapter 4 says that God is in heaven right now, and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it, and there is not a being in all of existence that can raise their hand against him and, and, and tell him not to. He has revealed himself to us in the scriptures so that we might understand him and, and, and his plan and what he's up to, but not to the extent that you now have the information you need that you get to counsel him and not to the extent where you can take him to court if you're unhappy with one of the ways that he's choosing to run his universe, right? This is our God and thank God that he's like that. Thank God that there's nothing he doesn't know. Thank God all the information is his, right? Thank God that he is indescribable and uncontainable and that I cannot exaggerate him even like regardless of how many adjectives I use, right? Like thank God that somewhere out there he's got all the infinite math figured out so I can sleep soundly like down here with all of our finite logic and reason that we made up so that we can try to explain things to ourselves that he already knows the answer to because he was there in the beginning and he'll be there at, be there at the end. Thank God that that is, that's the God that we worship because that's a God that you can can worship. You can't worship a God that you understand or thinks on the same level as you. Thank God his thoughts are higher than ours because he's worthy of our awe and our reverence and our worship because every drop of glory in the universe he is the rightful owner of. Amen.
Amen. And it's about, to, it's about to get even better. Here we go. Next verse, 35. Or, check this out. Who has ever first given something to God that obligates God to owe them something in return? Everything is his. That's what that means. Everything, like even everything you own, your, even your giftings, your talents, your very breath, your life is his before it's yours. Deuteronomy 10, 14. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything is his. Every breath is his. Every nation is his. Every bit of currency on every one of those nations belongs to him. Every life is his, every moment of happiness, every moment of laughter, every smile, every good experience that is experienced by Christians and non-Christians alike is nothing more than his common grace and his common mercy that is his before it's ours that he is allowing us to experience. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There is nothing that you own that he does not own first which is amazing and also a little scary and here's why because you have nothing that you can use to barter with God you're not going to stand in front of him one day and throw a bunch of good deeds at his feet and strike up some kind of deal because even those good deeds are his way before you before they're yours and you can see with that picture how much we need Jesus how much you need the cross, right? Like, you, you don't put God into your debt and say, God, if I do this, this, and this, if I make this sacrifice and I am obedient in that big way or I give you this and this, it's a big deal for me, but you don't do that and then say, God, now, now you do this to, for me and now you give me this because that's essentially what you're saying is I'm putting you into my debt and we live in a in an amazing time to be alive in a in an amazing country and the temptation for us as americans i think is to start to like believe that it's because we're owed it you know god you owe me this god does not owe you you don't put him into your debt everything is his he does not owe you wealth or health, or a husband, or a wife, or your dream job, or your, your dream life. It's all his. Now, the, the amazing thing about it is this God, at the very same time, is also an incredibly generous and gracious gift giver. It's what he does. It's what he does. I would say, Rudy, that giving is God's love language. It's his love language for God so loved the world that he... He gave, he is so, like he knows how to take care of his kids, even spoil his kids, but not because we're owed it, because that's his character. And this thing started with him, it's all his, and he chooses to give. And I think it's so important, if he's the why, okay, then let us never forget, moving forward with all the, the what's that we're talking about for our church, let us never forget that the why behind the what is a who, and who that who is. We are centered on the, the giver before we are centered on the gifts. And we must never forget who it is that we pray to and worship, who it is we 
are, are talking about right now, like you don't nonchalantly step into the presence of this God. You behold him. He is so worthy of our deepest adoration and praise and awe, and he is good. And that's why even though everything is his, he still takes so much delight in his kids, you guys, and so much delight when we give to him. It's like C.S. Lewis has a quote uh, somewhere. I think it's The Weight of Glory. It's one of his books. Um, but he talks about, like, like imagine, like, like, imagine you're seven and Father's Day is coming up. And so dad gives you some of dad's money so you can go to the store and you buy a gift for dad. And then you come back to the house and you wrap it in the wrapping paper that dad bought that was in the bin under the guest bed that dad bought. And then Father's Day rolls around and you give him his gift and his heart is so warmed by it. And the smile on his face is so big, despite the fact that he's not a cent richer because of it, because all the money was his in the first place. This is God and everything is his, but man, you better believe, man, when you are obedient, when you use the gifts he gave you to glorify him, when you hold things in open hands, your most important resources, your time, your finances, when you give back to him, oh my gosh, you better believe it puts a smile on this God's face, even though he's no richer because of it. Who has given a gift to this God that he might be repaid? The earth is his and the fullness thereof. One more verse, here we go, 36. For out of him... The sustainer of everything came everything, and now everything finds fulfillment in him. May all praise and honor be given to him forever. Amen. So we kind of play some interesting and funny games down here on planet Earth when it comes to fame and glory and applause and attention. Um, like, you think of like the celebrities or the pro athletes or musical artists that like make you like if you were to meet them or maybe you have and you felt like really giddy like oh my gosh like like they're like your crush like for me I met my crush Tim Tebow a few years ago and I like you know I completely blew it walk up like hi Tim <laughs> hi Tim no that's Tim what's up man uh just like well, I blew that completely because, it, like, you feel like, what is it that you feel in that moment? What is it? There is a small amount of glory that I assigned to him. I assigned it to him, okay? These are the games that we play, and it's human. It's human. But understand, there is no glory or fame or there is no, like, those things, even, like, you think of, like, the, like, the most fame or glory or, like, whatever celebrity or a hundred celebrities and add up all that, all that fame and all that glory is a candle next to the sun. That's what that is compared to the glory and the fame of this God that we show up here to worship. How unsearchable are his ways. Everything, all praise, all honor be given to him forever. What compares to the one whose glory literally thunders? 
his glory right now. He's got angels around his throne in his throne room right now just crying out like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Just on repeat because they, like, they don't know what else to do in the presence of that kind of glory. In the Old Testament, there's stories of like if you, like God wouldn't let Moses see all of his glory because he knew Moses would drop dead as soon as that happened. But actually, like, like, what, compare, like what can extinguish that kind of glory? Because here's the deal all like glory and fame down here on earth is like the lifespan of a house fly compared to the glory and the fame that belongs to our father it cannot be taken and that's why he gets the credit and the glory and the praise for for everything right for everything and I know like we throw out like compliments and attention and applause and praise and that's that's good and we're not in the business of deflecting it that's just false humility right it's just like oh like oh bro like you're so good at this oh no no I'm not no God gave you that gift receive that yes you are we are not in the business of deflecting but redirecting I I heard an author say it like this like every time I get a compliment um throughout the day or some praise, right? I don't deflect it, I receive it and it warms my heart, kind of like receiving like a flower every time. And then at the end of the day, I go home into my room and I drop to my knees and I offer the entire bouquet to God, right? We redirect, not deflect. And, and he gets the credit first and foremost. And I, I pray, man, like that quote, like dream a dream so big, a dream so big that you, like human beings could not accomplish it unless there's something supernatural happening behind the scenes. Unless God is real, that dream is, is falling flat every single time. Dream a dream like that, which I believe that's what this dream is. So that when that dream comes to pass, and I look out right now and I'm like, oh my gosh, like even like right now, like God, when it comes to pass, the only explanation is him. Therefore, all the credit belongs to him because it, like, it's all God's, but he, like we already said, gift giving is his love language and God shares. God shares, God shares. He has made, for whatever reason, all of us rightful heirs of everything with him. God shares, and, but not with glory thieves. There's a verse in Matthew that says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled those who humble themselves will be exalted. And for reference on that, go, I think it's season three, Phyllis's wedding, that episode of The Office. Watch what happens to Michael Scott when he exalts himself at a wedding that's not his. Watch what happens. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And there's some things that, like that, that I'm just like, that's just better to know than to have to learn it. Like, like for this church, we could either just know all the credit and all the glory belongs to him, or he can teach us that it does. And with some things, like I'm a learn the hard way kind of guy. I am. Like, if I go to a, a restaurant, the waitress brings, like, a hot plate and says, don't touch that. Like, it's hot. It'll burn your finger. I, like, I have to know. I go, like, well, we'll see about that. And I touch it. My wife can attest to this. Every time, I, like, the good Lord did not bless this guy with the self-discipline to not touch a hot plate. I have to, oh, it's hot. Guys, she was right. Don't touch that. 
Don't touch it. I have to find out the hard way. I have to learn. It's cute when it comes to a hot plate. When it comes to humility and glory, it's not as cute. And it's better to just know than to have to, to learn this. Just thinking like, man, if I'm God, what I could do, what I would love to do through a group of people who just know. Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. And if God chooses to exalt, then he will. But I'm not going to take that seat. I'm going to take the lowest seat and let God, like, if, if any glory is, is mine, uh, it's not to be taken. It's like Abu in the Cave of Wonders in Aladdin. That's about to come out. The live action one. Who's seen the trailer for that? Man, looks good. People are like mad about Will Smith being like, I'm like, he's awesome. There's like one guy on the planet that I would cast for the genie and it's hit. Never mind. We're getting on a tangent. Um, they're in the Cave of Wonders looking for the lamp and Aladdin's, and they're not supposed to touch anything. And Aladdin is climbing up the stair thing to get the lamp. And Abu sees like this, this golden statue uh, holding like this ruby that's like the size of my head and he wants it so bad and he's like trying to get it and the, the carpet is like playing tug of war with him like don't touch it just because it's there doesn't mean you should touch it and, uh, and I know it's just drawings of a monkey but it speaks to me okay and, and the carpet loses the battle and Abu grabs the ruby and if you, if you haven't seen it then that's on you I pray to God you've seen Aladdin if you haven't I'm not like I'll, I'm ruining it right now I don't care on you um bad things happen as soon as he touches it okay and i think like man that's like the perfect picture of picture of glory it, it's there especially right now so many ways to scratch that itch in 2019 in the united states just because it's there doesn't mean you should touch it stuff like that man we don't like you don't mess around with it it's to be given by the one who owns it like Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess one day. And I just, I just have to believe it's better. I'd rather already be, like, already be bowing than forced to my knees beneath the weight of the very glory I've been trying to steal my whole life, right? This is better to know than to have to learn. But man, if you know it, if you understand it, that equation, then man, how do we, how do we pursue the most humble route you know, like, like, like your giftings, your talents, and your, like that, that God has given you, that's amazing. Use them for his glory. But the greater the talent, the greater the gifting, the greater the need for decrease. The greater the success that you see in your life, the greater the need for decrease. That will be true of this church if God, if, if God allows that to happen in the what category. The greater, like, things that he chooses to do with us, the greater our need for decrease. Why? Because... All praise and honor are to be given to him forever. This is the God that we worship. He is the why behind the what. And the why behind the what is a who, and it's Jesus. Let us never forget that. Because we can, apparently, you could crush it as a church and miss the entire point. You could crush it as a Christian and clean up your act and make your life on the outside look the way the Christian community says it's supposed to look. But if you don't get Jesus, like, who cares? Like, you've, you've lost that. Let us, let us, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything, everything. And so, Ben, you guys can come up. 
how do we, how do you do that? So how do you keep Jesus your everything in your heart and not find yourself 10 years from now like, yeah, I'm a church-going Christian, but I, if I'm honest, I could care less about the why behind that. I just do it because you do it. You know, I'm just in church. You're supposed to go. I'm supposed to give. That's why I do it. My grandma said I'd go to hell if I didn't come to church, so I picked a fun church and I went to it, right? Like how, because I, I preach this all the time, that as you mature as a Christian, it is less about what you feel and more about what you know. You're not, you're not forgiven because you feel forgiven. Oh, feel it. You're forgiven because Jesus is who he says he is and he says that you're forgiven. And so sleep soundly tonight, knowing where you're spending forever, even if you don't feel it. But feeling it is the best part. And so I'm like, okay, so how do, but how, how do we do that? Because here, that doesn't happen accidentally. Nobody is going to wake up 30 years from now and accidentally just be so in love with God and so passionate about their faith. That doesn't happen on accident. That happens on purpose. God is responsible for igniting the fire, but we are responsible for like, okay, I'm going to lay the logs and the kindling and all that stuff, and I'm going to set it up so that God can come in and do what God does. And that doesn't happen by accident. And so uh, I heard a pastor named Matt Chandler ask these two questions, and they're phenomenal questions. I think all of us should be asking ourselves like weekly as, as followers of Jesus, they're so good. Do you want to know them? Okay. Number one, what are the things that stir your affections for God? And I'm not talking Bible reading plan. I pray for 20 minutes a day. Like, yes, awesome. But like for you personally, because your list will look different than mine. What are the things that stir your affections for God? For me, I don't know, man, there's something about, I said this at the last service, 6 a.m. in the morning um, when it's still dark out. Right now it's dark until 7.30, which is brutal, but 6 a.m. with coffee in my office, and my wife made this amazing office. She surprised it with me at our house, and there's a, there's a, a bear fur rug beneath my desk. It's fake. It's from Ikea. Don't worry. Um, but I go down and I sit at my desk and sometimes I read the Bible, sometimes it's a book, sometimes it's just silence with the smell of coffee. And my, our black lab Luna, who is my best friend, comes downstairs with me. She follows me everywhere and she, like I have my feet on the rug and then she lays on top of my feet. And sometimes I'll sit there for 45 minutes and say nothing, but something in my heart will just come alive and be stirred by that. Now, I would never say, so here's what you do. Go to Ikea, get a rug, get a lab, get some coffee, get an alarm clock. Alarm clock, not, not alarm o'clock. Still call it that. Um, like Corey Miller, who does worship here a lot, like he's going to get up. He's not going to do that, and I would never expect him to. He's going to wake up probably a significantly amount like like a lot later than that and he's going to grab his guitar and he's going to write worship songs and he's going to sing and like he would never expect me to do that like i if i did that god would be like oh hey buddy like hey just 
No singing today. Just, you just sit and think in silence. So it's different. Um, Matt Chandler would say, he, like, this will sound weird at first, but just go with me. He goes uh, to like a graveyard. This doesn't get spooky. Don't worry. And he'll find a, a headstone of a guy who passed away at his current age. And so like for me, I'd go find like a headstone of like, okay, that guy died when he was 30 years old and start thinking like, I wonder like, what were his dreams? What did he have in mind for when he was an old guy one day? Like, was he married? Did he have kids? And he's like, I'll sit next to that and just pray. And I'll just feel so mortal. And it's amazing. Not if you don't have hope in life after this, it's not. But if you know in your knower that like, no, I know, I know where I'm going. This whole thing is finite. Then that mortality is an amazing feeling that will ignite. It's like standing next to the ocean or the mountains and feeling small uh, and feeling so good that you feel so small because you know like, okay, if, those, if the ocean is that dangerous, then what does that say about the God who tells oceans what to do? He is big, and the, the bigger and bigger you make him, the better and better your life, the more like things will just start to fall into place because the bigger he is, you realize, man, I am small, but because he's so big, me being small is not insignificant because of what he calls me. Man, that's just like, there's something about that. Something about that, like epic movies, Gladiator, Harry Potter, Aladdin, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I don't know what it is. There's some movies that don't do anything for my heart, but then some movies that like all I want to do is go to the gym and spend time with God after. So I'm so cool. Um, and then, okay, so what stirs your affections for God? And then the flip side of that same coin what are the things that rob your affections for God? And I'm not saying like, uh, like the big like sin, sin stuff. That like, okay, obviously that. But like for me, I'll just, I'll make the joke that Matt made. And he's like, hey, like if, I'm, if we're putting all these cases and the pipe and drape away in the container after service today, and some guy jumps out from behind the container and says, hey bro, you want some black tar heroin? Like, that's not gonna get me. That's not gonna, I'm not gonna like, oh, let me make a pros and cons list. Like, pros, the next two hours could be pretty crazy. Cons, Sam will be mad, I'll probably get fired, right? Like, like it's, here, here's the thing, it's way more morally neutral things for me now that rob affection for God from my life. Things I would never tell you, don't do those things. But for me personally, I just know, man, I can't. I, 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 like if I spend more than two hours watching Netflix, uh, the rest of my day is shot, man. It is. And I would never tell you not like to only watch Netflix for two hours, but I know me. I know me. Like Ryan, can you hand me that book? This is, uh, this is by John Mark Comer, the first book he ever read called My Name is Hope, really quick. I've never, like I don't plug books. I'm not like the guy who's like, you struggle with this, get this book, it'll fix it. But my gosh, if anxiety or depression is, is the bear that's in your life, I am telling you, My Name is Hope by John Mark Comer, this will change something in your life. 
So I don't know who that's for, but he says this. And, and, and watch, he's not going to mention anything that is like, that's a sin, right? That's a red flag. Listen to this. Let's imagine a hypothetical but common scenario. You stay up late watching TV or playing video games into the wee hours of the morning. You don't sleep well because your brain is fried. You wake up late, wipe the sleep from your bleary eyes, down three cups of coffee, take no time for exercise, eat sugar and carbs for breakfast, jump on the freeway and drive to work in bumper-to-bumper traffic with your iPod screaming in your ears. You rush into work, you sit down at your cubicle with an energy drink from the office vending machine, and you wonder why you're anxious, and you wonder why God feels distant and you wonder why your heart feels tired. And none of those things are sinful things. But you know the things in your life that might be morally neutral, that rob your affections for God, that rob life from you. You just need to be honest about them. So like for me, like, and I've read in this book, like the Bible teaches you are an integrated being. Your soul and your body are not, they're not two separate things. What you do to your body affects how you feel in your soul. And what you do to your soul affects how you feel in your body, at least according to all 40 writers and authors of the Bible. That's true. And if I, if I like don't exercise, if I'm eating horribly, then I'm just distant from God. I just am. I just am. Because what happens to your body affects your soul. On the flip side of that, if I'm doing those things, then there's something in my heart that's just like alive. And I'm like laying the firewood and the kindling and stuff and and asking God to come in and ignite this thing in my heart. Your passion for God He lights the fire, but your passion for God, like, hey, it's, guys, it's kind of on you. If you can answer those two questions and then begin to fill your life with the answers to list number one, and then look at list number two and say, okay, how can I start to just cut that stuff out of my life, little by little? Not perfectly, but I'm trying, and God's gonna honor that. Does that make sense? The Elite Eight is what I'm doing. As well, in honor of March Madness, the first four minutes of my morning, before I look at Instagram, before I check my email, um, I, just, I just talk to God. I just, even if I'm not focused, I'll go four minutes. And the final four minutes of my night, the same thing. The Elite Eight. Simple things, guys. Your list will be different than mine. Um, you don't have to turn this in, don't worry. It's not gonna be graded, but if there's homework in church, man, take those two questions and start asking yourself, what are my answers? What are my answers? Because you want, like, we don't do it for the feelings. That's not why we follow Jesus, but man, like, <laughs> that's the fun part. And it's possible is what I'm saying. Does that make sense? God, we love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, God, that you would just solidify whatever seeds have been scattered and sown, that you would keep those seeds from being snatched away the moment we walk out of this building tonight. Speak to us individually, speak to us during worship. God, thank you for being so beyond us. Thank you that we can sleep soundly tonight, knowing that all the the crazy math that we can't figure out, you've got it figured out. Help us to find our place in that. Be our passion, be our purpose, be the reason for Red Rocks Austin. Be the why behind the what of this church that we are designing. We love you. In 
Jesus, and we pray this in your name.